It's Monday, March 6th, 2017. I'm Charles Sharetta, and this is Sid. We're on chapter 31 of the Tao Te Ching, and today I'm going to read from the Chu Te Kao version, which is from 1904. This is, um, it's kind of a shortened version relative to many of the other translations of chapter 31, but shorter does not necessarily mean lesser. Chapter 31 is a continuation of chapter 30 in the sense that it's also about war and violence. So here's chapter 31. So far as arms are concerned, they're implements of ill omen. They're not implements for the man of Tao. The man of Tao, when dwelling at home, makes the left as the place of honor, and when using arms, makes the right as the place of honor. He uses them only when he cannot avoid it. In his conquests, he takes no delight. If he take delight in them, it would mean that he enjoys in the slaughter of men. He who takes delight in the slaughter of men cannot have his will done in the world. All right. We'll sit for 10 minutes. Because it's a Monday, we'll finish up today's episode with a gratitude practice. But for now, we'll sit together for 10 minutes. Find a nice, comfortable, upright position for yourself. Connect yourself to the floor. If you're sitting in a chair, let your feet touch the floor. If you're on a cushion, let your knees touch the floor. Tongue on the roof of your mouth, breath coming from your belly. Please have compassion for yourself. 10 minutes. Just allow yourself to settle in now. Become aware of whatever might be going on for you. Whether you judge it to be good or bad. It's whatever your experience is in this moment.
And if there's any tension present in you right now, notice where that is. And see if you can be curious about it. See if you can be curious about what that tension might need in this moment. What can you bring it as we sit here? How can you help? Every moment is an opportunity to connect with your truth. So your truth can be hard to be with or pleasant be with and what is the difference between those two how are those separate from one another
And if you're thinking now, if you're judging, just notice it. Just notice it. And let the focus of your attention come back to your breath. The translations of chapter 31 that are more literal make mention of funerals. They draw a parallel between those who are victorious in battle and the funeral procession, and that the two are or should be thought of as essentially equal to one another because of the cost of slaughter, that there really is no winner in war. Since I'm in the United States, I think about things <clears throat> related to the goings-on in the United States. And the U.S. is a country that uh, loves to honor its soldiers. It sees a lot of glory in war, in combat. And some of that is going on right now. Honoring soldiers, honoring fallen soldiers. And in the course of doing that, often, and it would not have to be this way, minimizing, minimizing the impact that, that the actions of the government have on others besides these soldiers. There is no victor in war, according to the Tao Te Ching. War is a lie, and yet it persists. Yeah. Why does it persist? Because of some romantic vision of glory, more than likely. Maybe an idea that it's a way to win back uh, a sort of collective respect that was collectively lost in some prior slight protection. Think about how much terrorism is discussed. What are the actual chances that any one of us are going to be killed in a terrorist attack? 
a true terrorist attack that the government would label as such. They're diminishingly small, approaching nil. But that fear is there. And that fear prompts all sorts of support for actions that are themselves acts of terror. War. This warlike mentality is so endemic to the culture that it exists even in our discourse and our interactions with one another. Our day-to-day fights with each other contain it in microcosm. Think about the conventional wisdom about winning debates and arguments. Turning a conversation into an interaction in which there's a winner and a loser. Someone who triumphs and gets his needs met. And a foe who is vanquished and gets none of her needs met. I'm, I'm reminded of Marshall Rosenberg and Nonviolent Communication, NVC. Marshall did some incredible work, in my opinion, in the course of his life. He died relatively recently, I think within the past couple years. And Marshall took the position that virtually all of humanity is fundamentally good and wants to be good, but doesn't know how to get its needs met. Those needs being things like the need for love, the need for respect, the need for companionship, the need for food, water, shelter. And so people go around accusing and attacking in an attempt to get their needs met, judging one another, labeling each other, projecting, making statements about what the other person is like, attacking. And it's all just an incredibly unskillful attempt to get one's needs met. And not surprisingly, the vast majority of, in the vast majority of cases, it fails. Violence prompts more violence, even if it's just violent speech. So how do we end the cycle? What do we do to change it? Well, sometimes it can seem like it takes almost a superhuman capacity for compassion. It takes an ability to see deeper. If somebody is attacking us personally, to whatever the need is that underlies it, And boy, is that hard. We're not always going to be able to pull it off. Because if we're under attack, our instincts kick in. It's very natural to want to attack back. Or to protect ourselves. Fear and anger naturally come up. But if we can start by seeing this pattern in ourselves too, and having compassion for ourselves as this shit arises, and that cracks open the door to possibilities later on if we're being attacked to think of all the most horrible things that people are doing out there right now on this planet as expressions of an unmet need according to nvc um is sort of liberating freeing from the trap of constantly warring with each other I'm not going to go into the details here about how NVC works. There are plenty of videos on YouTube about it. And some of the language of it can sometimes look a little clunky or feel or sound clunky. And then once something seems like a technique, it arouses suspicion in the listener of it. So because it feels inauthentic at that point. But nevertheless, 
the idea is sound. So if you're not already familiar with it, do check it out when you have the chance, please. All right, let's, let's sit briefly for a gratitude practice. We'll sit for 30 seconds. I recommend uh, when, when I sit for a gratitude practice, I like to start with small things that I'm grateful for and then expand it out to, to larger things that I have gratitude for. And over the course of this 30 seconds, you can think of maybe three things, just enough to sort of get that greater sense of gratitude that comes when you realize that you're not responsible for everything good that's in your life. 30 seconds will begin now. All right. And if that wasn't enough time, feel free to take more time on your own, as always. Oxygen, that's what I ended on today. The air that we all breathe. Boy, I take it for granted. A lot of us do. We're completely dependent on it. Go without it for five minutes and we'd all be dead. This thin little blanket that envelops the earth that it is our lifeline. Just incredible. Just incredible that it's here and that we're a part of it. Okay, folks. Happy Monday. Thank you for sitting with me. Have a good day.